Greetings, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Stuff We Love podcast. For this episode, we'll be discussing the latest updates on new video game announcements from E3, delivering a spoiler-free review of many new movies that have recently come out, and discussing tips on theme park travels in the summertime, as well as giving you our latest picks for the Stuff We Love segment. Let's meet the hosts. I'm Jack. And I'm Scott. And you're listening to the Stuff We Love podcast. So to start out, we're going to be going over some of the newest announcements from E3 in terms of a lot of the brand new video games we're going to be seeing very soon this year as well as leading into next year. But before we do that, I want to talk a little bit of give an update on Fortnite. So obviously, a couple months ago, I gave my initial uh, impression of Fortnite when we were discussing the game and the mass of its hysteria. And now, checking a little bit later, I want to give you my thoughts on it. So probably four months later, the game is as popular as ever there's been a ton of hype around the game much like video games you know like the app that with pokemon go that used to be very popular the game blew up it became very popular and unlike pokemon go its success has continued and unfortunately for the game as of recently there has been a kind of declining trend where a lot of people are saying fortnite is dying not only you know my friends but also across the internet so there has been a little bit of a trend recently where a lot of people are saying Fortnite's dying, it's getting repetitive. There's aspects of the game that just won't be fixed in terms of uh, different individual things that people are very frustrated with. And so a lot of people are getting frustrated with Fortnite. I know from personal experience, a lot of my friends are as well, and they're no longer playing it. So here's some of the things they have as a result that they're going to be, I think, planning to introduce to trying to reverse that trend. First of all, obviously there's a new season out for Fortnite. For those of you who aren't familiar, seasons are kind of like uh, chapters in the game where they have different stories introduced. So, for example, they had uh, a comet that was a big deal in Fortnite. People couldn't figure out what the comet was doing flying over the map, what it was going to destroy. and ended up taking out one of the very popular spots and replacing it. And so now they have a new chapter being introduced soon. And there's a lot of theories about what's going to be happening with that. Um, one of those theories is that they're going to be introducing a new map, whereas, which is what I believe, because honestly, I think people are a little bit bored of the same map over and over and over again. So I think a new map might spice it up um, a little bit, and I think it might bring a couple people back to the game. Uh, another one of the theories is that they're going to be introducing just a couple new features, some tweaks, and some fixes on the game. But one thing they're very proud of, and they've been they've been open about this, what they're going to do, is they're introducing a edit mode where you can now have your own Fortnite mode outside of you know the the combat games, just to build, practice building, build whatever you want, practice combat, everything like that, which has been requested since the game was first introduced. Some of the frustrations with the game include shotgun damage, which if you're not familiar, you probably don't care about. For those who are familiar with the game, it's something that has frustrated everyone where it's extremely inconsistent, not only for shotguns, but basically ARs, all the guns you're using, where you're shooting and either the damage is very different every time or it's not actually as accurate every single time. So that's one of the concerns that people are having. So... We're going to see in the next couple of months whether or not Fortnite takes a sharp trend downwards or whether or not it's going to you know, just kind of remain as popular as it is or kind of dive down a little. I'm of the opinion that it's definitely going to be losing some of its following, but just because of how many people are, are really a fan of the game, it's still going to be doing pretty well. That being said, we're going to be moving on to some of the more recent updates from E3. But before I do, Scott, you want to give your input on Fortnite? Yeah, I actually had a question for you, Jack, because you're more familiar with the game than I am. Uh, you play it on what platform? So I play on Xbox One, and you can be you can play it on uh, Xbox One, PS4, which are the two biggest console ways, or you can play it on PC, which is obviously just a computer, as well as on mobile, which is on phones or iPad. So I don't know if you've had any experience. What about the Switch, the Nintendo Switch? So they're going to be introducing on the Switch. They might have already done that, but mm -hmm. I know it was it was. I saw some ads for it that they're going to be introducing on the Switch pretty soon. Um, I've never played on the Switch, but the reason I ask is because there was an article in Wired magazine that says that playing Fortnite on the Nintendo Switch is an amazing experience compared to some of the other platforms. So I was just curious if you had heard anything about that or. Uh, That's really interesting. I hadn't because personally, I don't. I. I don't have the switch. I never, you know, was too drawn to the product, but I can. I'll definitely, you know, keep an eye on, talk to some people who have been using it. But um, yeah, it's currently used. You can play cross-platform, which is one of the one of the terms they have, where you can play, you know, from Xbox to PC, all the way to mobile. Um, and that's one of the things they're really proud of. But the game is facing a difficult position right now as of this point the creators have been really good in adapting and changing but we're going to see over the next couple months what decisions they make and the impact it's going to be having on the community how often do new seasons come out um not too often i want to say it's for three or four weeks at the at the least maybe more right um 
and within that there's different weeks actually so actually i think that it's, it's actually 10 weeks per season now that i'm just thinking of it because um i know i'm on i'm on there's they're on week seven right now in the current season and um now that i think about it and they're up to week goes up to week 10 i believe so it's it's typically 10 weeks per season now that i think about it and um so it's pretty pretty long time and each week you're just trying to complete different challenges to get up to the different characters that they have offer each chapter and jack my last question on Fortnite is do you have any experience using a phone app for Fortnite and how that relates to your progress on another system? I do. Uh, I played on mobile just because it was very popular because everyone's like, oh, you can play Fortnite away from home now. But it was horrible. Um, nothing against Fortnite. Like the game does involve a lot of intricacies in terms of, you know, building, accessing all your weapons, moving, et cetera, jumping. And it's just, in my opinion, impossible to do on the phones because you can only use your two thumbs versus when you're using a console, you're using, you know, like all five fingers, with different buttons. So it was pretty horrible. Um, typically people who play mobile, um, aren't very good just because like, it's impossible to use. And like, just think about uh, shooting, for example, you have to drag on the screen where you're trying to shoot, which is a lot more difficult than on console where you're just using your thumb to move the, um, joystick around while you're shooting or PC, which in my opinion is the is if you want to be the best player, you're going to use PC because it's just a lot more controllable with the mouse and all the different hotkeys you can use. Right. But that's pretty much it for Fortnite. There's a ton of other video game news, which I'm excited to get into, mm -hmm. that came out of E3. The first is Destiny 2. So many of you might be familiar with Destiny 2. It's a very popular video game. It's kind of like a shooter, but um, it has a lot more intricacies to describe it, it's kind of like a blend between Halo and Call of Duty, and people might be offended that I'm using those comparisons, but from my experience, that's that's really what it's similar to. But the news is that they're going to be releasing a new DLC, and DLC just stands for new limited content that they're going to be having, and typically that content you have to pay for. And so people who are big fans of Destiny love Destiny One, or for the most part enjoy Destiny One, but weren't too fan weren't that big of fans of Destiny Two. They thought it missed a mark on a couple different areas. So for for a lot of people is kind of seen as redemption because if i believe i'm correct i remember destiny one while it was very popular the initial launch wasn't super successful but they put out a dlc similar to this one and then people really enjoyed the dlc so i think a lot of destiny players are hoping the same thing is going to happen with forsaken um obviously a lot of people are frustrated that they keep having to pay more and more money to, to see you know to use the game and then find out if they like it or not but they've been introducing a lot of new things they have a new game mode uh, as well as a couple new classes and weapons as well. They're introducing bows and arrows, which are going to be used in the game, um, which is pretty cool. The release date is going to be on September 4th as of now. This is what they're predicting. And um, a lot of people are excited for it. I don't know yet what the price is going to be, but I believe you can pre-order. So I assume then you know, the price is available for you to find. But a lot of hype surrounding that DLC. Hopefully, Destiny players are hoping that you know Destiny really does get it right this time because there has been some frustration with the progression in Destiny 2. So another really popular game that's coming out is that they announced is Battlefield 5. And it did face a little bit of controversy because it features a female character on the front cover. Um, and you're going to be lead, playing a female-led campaign. And so a lot of people are frustrated saying that it's not historically accurate because typically there weren't as many female soldiers in battle. Um, but the game has responded saying that that is their, their portrayal of how history was fought. And actually, apparently, people are doing research on this. There were some female uh, units in uh, certain divisions of um, in World War II, for example. And so there is a little bit of controversy there. For the most part, people are just happy to see a new Battlefield game, but a lot of people are boycotting um, the game for that reason, that there's two, they don't want to have a, an inaccurate portrayal of history in their opinion. And so we're going to be seeing how that plays out. And that release date is set in October 19th. Mm -hmm. From the trailer itself, I like looked really. I was really impressed with the game. It looks awesome. You can check it out on YouTube. The graphics were amazing. Um, so I'm excited to see the game, um, and hopefully it doesn't face too much backlash for you know what they're choosing to do. The next game that is very, it has a lot of anticipation is FIFA 19. And so there are a couple of new things that are being introduced that people are really excited about slash uh, reintroduced. One of the things they're going to be changing is how teammate dynamics are working off the ball in terms of cutting to the net, playing defensive positionings, as well as they're going to be working on how you're actually going to be finishing um, in terms of shooting on the net. 
Um, so a lot of the in-game things are going to be edited just in terms of game mechanics as well. Um, they're also going to be editing a lot of the your ability to really control, whether it's passes or shots, and make it a little bit more unique mm-hmm. and personable, um, as well as they're going to be um, editing uh, goal kicks, making them a little bit more accurate and authentic. And one of the final things they're doing is editing the header um, action to make it a little bit more realistic and controllable. And this was, if you're familiar with FIFA, this was a lot of the requests that were pl- coming from the players. They wanted to really change a lot of the game dynamics. So EA, uh, I guess for one of the first times, is actually listening to their audience and trying to make these edits to make the game improved. Yeah, I used to get FIFA every single year it came out, but I haven't bought it the past couple of years because I became very frustrated with the gameplay and the difficulty of the game. I just didn't have a good grasp on the game and I wasn't really enjoying it. But I think based on what I've heard about FIFA 19, I will be getting it. Also, one of the things that I like about the new FIFA is that it includes the full Champions League, which is an addition that previous versions lacked. Excuse me. So I'm excited for this. Ronaldo is the cover athlete, and uh, that could really propel even more interest in the game because right now, if you're following the World Cup, Ronaldo is having an amazing, amazing set of games thus far. So FIFA 19 is uh, something I will be pre-ordering and picking up for sure. Exactly. And one more game that's very popular, especially amongst probably Scott and myself, is they just announced a new Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. So a lot of people are very familiar with the Star Wars Battlefront games and Star Wars Battlefront 2, something that we've discussed um, continuously for a while on the show. Uh, Battlefront 2 has faced a lot of controversy, as we discussed, because there was a whole you know, in-game pay-to-win uh, controversy that was surrounding the game where there were accusations that you could just spend money and become way better at the game. And so there's a lot of adaptation to Battlefront 2, in my opinion. EA kind of gave up on Battlefront 2 in a way after there was just so much controversy and now they're not really trying. There is a smaller group of people who are working on you know, addressing the community's concerns. But to me, when I just kind of see the interactions between the um, executives at EA and the community, it doesn't seem like they're really that much more invested in Battlefront 2. I feel like in a lot of ways they've given up in it. That being said, they did just release the new Han Solo DLC content. And another thing they did recently announce is that they're going to be introducing uh, – Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, Count Dooku, General Grievous in the new game, which people have been clamoring for for like since the game Battlefront 1 has come out. So people are so excited to see these characters introduced to the game. It's going to be included with a full Genosis map, Genosis map, which I am uh, absolutely stoked for. And so a lot of cool things coming out from Battlefront 2. But they're kind of being foresha- kind of being overshadowed by the new announcement of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. So it's not going to be – I think it's going to be done by EA as well, but it's going to be in uh, joint uh, work with Respawn Entertainment. It's going to be a brand-new action game which tells an original Star Wars story following a sur- surviving Padawan set shortly after the, the events of Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, obviously where most of the Jedi were killed off. The game is going to be releasing in holiday of 2019. Right now the details are very vague, but it's going to be set in more of a darker time in Star Wars. And you can go on their website, um, you know, EA's website for star wars and sign up for their newsletter to get announcements but that's all they really announced so far um i'm excited for the game um just because it sounds like a really awesome plot something we haven't really explored too much i'm only nervous because i don't want them to give up on battlefront 2 because battlefront is one of my favorite series and i think they have a great game they just need to fix some things um but that's kind of my thoughts on the new uh, jedi fallen order which like i said is gonna be um releasing on holiday of 2019 You know, one thing really sticks out from what you just said, which is that this is an original story which takes place, uh, was it after Revenge of the Sith, Jack? Was that what you had mentioned? So we'll get to this in a few minutes when we talk about recent movies, but some people were suggesting, and there were even rumors, that Disney was going to suspend production on all standalone Star Wars films after the success or non-success, depending on how you put it, of Solo, a Star Wars story at the box office. But what the upcoming release of Jedi Fallen Order shows is that they are still, regardless of what they do in theaters, investing in original Star Wars content in the world of video games. Just like there are going to be these upcoming Star Wars TV shows that are going to be going to be on the Disney streaming service that we don't know many details about yet. So if you really want to immerse yourself in all aspects of the Star Wars canon, it's not just movies, but it's TV shows, and very clearly now it's video games as well. So uh, this definitely intrigues me, but as someone who uh, respects your talent in Battlefront, I do not want them to abandon that game. 
For sure. And definitely good point you meant, you pointed out and definitely something we're going to be talking on when we start talking about movies. Disney's kind of take on putting in these new stories and what that role is going to really be moving on. The next game we want to talk about is Hello 6. And I'm not sure about a release date yet, but it's very, very popular. And there's been a lot of hype surrounding this game. So myself personally, I'm not a huge Halo fan, not because I don't enjoy the games. I do, but just because I never was really drawn to the stories. My brother, on the other hand, is a diehard Halo fan, someone who's you know, played all the video games, knows him front to cover, gets all the remastered editions. And so I take my opinion from him, and he says he's really excited for this game. And if someone as diehard as him is excited, I think uh, it gives good grounds for a lot of people to be. So it's going to be starring Master Chief, the soldier that, you know, most people are familiar with for most of the Halo games. But some of the things they're going to be changing is, while they are continuing the Halo 5 story, they have a whole new dynamic for the game, including a brand new art style, which has never been seen in uh, Halo, which is something they're very proud of. And it says they're going to be taking some of the most iconic and uh, popular uh, art styles from the past, combining with a new um, visual take on the future. And so for many of you, Halo, the visuals are some of the most impressive uh, in the video game world. So to see that they're going to be really revamping it and making it even better is really exciting. Um, and so Halo is definitely a game to keep on your radar. I think it's going to be a little bit of an underdog just because it hasn't been super popular as of recent. But I think the new introduction is going to bring back a lot of the hardcore fans and introduce it to a new generation. So I'm excited to see it. Yeah, Halo is a classic game. I've owned, I think, almost every version of the game. But it does get a little repetitive. And that's what happens when you have five previous versions, basically, of the same game. Um, and I, I think what intrigues me here, like you said, is the new revamping of the art in the game. I'm very intrigued to see what that looks like. Uh, and I'm curious how, like you said, the reintroduction of Halo is going to play in a world dominated by Fortnite. Because Fortnite is the game right now, everywhere you look. Halo is really, to a large degree, an afterthought to everyone except for gamers. And I'm curious as to what reaction it's, the video game community is going to have to Halo 6. Because when you get to numbers like 6... For how many versions of a game are out, it gets a little risky. That's a good point, Scott. Also, like a lot of people criticize Fortnite, some of the you know more elder gamers, because if you look at it, it's it almost looks like a comic game. Like all the designs are very simple. It's supposed to look cartoony, so people are like, is this really what we're where we've progressed in the video game world, where we now have everyone worshiping this game, which is like simplistic. A lot of people said this is, in my opinion, simplistic. You know, easy just for little kids, and so. It's definitely a contrast from what the general trend is now, where Fortnite, a game that's pretty simple, is very popular, versus Halo, a game that's so contrary to that view, where you have to be a lot more dedicated, you have to know the story, you have to like be enamored by the visuals. Very different game from Fortnite, so it's interesting to see how the two dynamics are going to compare and play out. We could probably have a full episode sometime soon talking about what draws us to certain video games. And I know that for me, right now, one of the things that is a selling point on a new video game is if it has a retro-type look. It just brings back a lot of great memories. And again, we can explore this in more detail. But that, to me, grabs me more than a game that has amazing graphics. Those are great in their own right. But if something has a retro feel to it, that sucks me in. So for our next segment, we're going to be talking about some recent movie releases. We are now fully immersed in the summer 2018 movie season. And there have been some very popular and successful films out there. Let's talk about the one that was number one at the box office last week, but dropped down to number two this week. And that's the long-awaited sequel to Disney Pixar's The Incredibles, Incredibles 2. Uh, this movie opened to rave reviews, some of the best reviews an animated film has gotten in recent years. I have yet to see it, but I am planning on seeing it within the next couple of weeks. But I know like, uh, many people who have seen it, and every single person has had a positive take on the film, saying that it's funny enjoyable, action-packed, and just like the original Incredibles includes a lot of dialogue that would appeal to older fans as well as the younger kids that are seeing it perhaps for the first time and learning about the Incredible family. Uh, there is also a major tie-in between the film and what's happening at some of the theme parks this summer. Uh, Walt Disney World's entire marketing campaign is based on the Incredibles, actually, for visitors coming this summer. And there's going to be things in the parks for people to... Uh, do related to the movie The Incredibles 2. So, uh, Jack, let me ask you. Uh, I know you saw this movie. Uh, give us your take on it. Spoiler, uh, keep in mind that no spoilers. 
So just before I give my review on the movie, I just wanted to build off of something that Scott said. Um, they are taking these Incredibles 2 movies and really making it as a launch pad for a lot of the new things are introduced to the parks. I know I was following on um, Instagram uh, Disney's some of their postings and their stories, and they've launched the Pixar Pier in California. And this is, from what I've seen so far from what they've been posting, based largely around the Incredibles um, franchise. They have the what's called the Incredicoaster, yes. which features a lot of the characters throughout. And so there's definitely – Disney's really seen that people really react well to this movie and are definitely investing largely in the Incredibles movie. So in terms of the movie, I thought it was fantastic. It's been a while since I'd seen the first one, so I was just kind of basing it off of you know what I remembered from the first one. But I thought Incredibles 2 was better than Incredibles 1 um, and for a lot of reasons, but most of all just because I was so impressed – you know, Disney's faced a lot of criticism because they've been seen as taking classic movies like, you know, the original original Star Wars trilogy. And a lot of people think that they've been ruining them in the new trilogy, which is open for debate and we'll talk about later. And so I was just really impressed to see Disney take a classic movie like Incredibles 1 and build off of it and draw new audiences into it while still remaining a lot – while still keeping a lot of the things that people loved about Incredibles 1 into Incredibles 2. And so Incredibles 2 was, for a lot of the reasons Scott said, it was funny – um, it was um, enjoyable. The characters were the same uh, people you knew and loved from the first one. One thing I really liked was, although it is a cartoon movie to a degree, obviously it's animation, I was impressed that I found at one point in the movie, I just stopped and thought to myself, why am I so interested in this plot? You know, when they had the story to, I'm not going to spoil anything, but obviously there is, you know, like a mission they have to do, for example, and there is, you know, a plot they have, to, they, there is a, a plot point they have to get to. And for some reason, even though it's, you know, animation in a very far-fetched world, I was actually interested in how the movie was going to end in terms of the, the, the plot between the characters. And so I thought that says something about the movie and just about how they were able to make the overall feel of the movie appear. One other thing I'll note is that the dialogue from this movie was really impressive. Like mm -hmm. at one point in the movie, I'm not going to say what, but they were having a really complex dialogue of, about a very um, big social topic. And they were uh, offering both sides at the same time with two different characters while still not being political about it. And it was just really impressive for them to combine into what's considered more of a kid's movie. I don't want to offend anyone who you know grew up with The Incredibles, who's now older. But what is more of a kid's movie, they included a lot of really complex subjects. And so I was really impressed. And the dialogue, and you see a lot of these new movies is stale and old and boring and you know really you're just like oh what the heck whereas in this movie it was interesting it was vivid a lot of the lines you can quote and i know we walked out of there saying a few of the lines from the movie just as really good thoughtful lines so the movie was great not only because of the you know the animation the action but just because everything from the smallest details out to the larger picture just seemed like they really did a good job of maintaining what people loved about the original ones by introducing new twists mm -hmm. I, i've heard a lot of people say the same thing and it's really a testament to Pixar. They don't shy away from taking a standard animation format and taking risks and, and challenging themselves. Another movie which I am embarrassed to say I have not seen, although my notes here are filled with reasons why I haven't seen it, because I know a lot of our listeners would be angry at me, and that is Avengers of Infinity War, the movie that arguably kicked off the summer 2018 movie season, a movie that made a gazillion dollars at the box office and that people were rushing to see opening weekend in droves. So I heard great things about it. I know that people have been emotionally touched by the film, which leads me to sort of have some guesses as to what happens. I can't believe I've avoided certain spoilers up until this point. Uh, but Jack, this is a movie that you saw, and I'm going to ask you to offer your brief comments on it without giving away any spoilers. So I've seen probably every single Marvel movie that's come out, and by far Infinity War was my favorite Marvel movie I've ever seen. Um, and as of this year, it's been uh, one of, if not my favorite movie the entire year. It's just an extremely good movie. So it takes a lot of the things that we love about the old Marvel movies, obviously the characters, um, the dialogue, um, and they combine it really, really well. So some of the concerns I had coming in, obviously there's been a big trend of like, you know, like funny movies with like Thor Ragnarok, not as serious, but more witty. I was concerned they would do that to such a degree that the, either that you couldn't seriously relate to the plot 
or it just wouldn't be enjoyable and the 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 humor wouldn't be funny it would be you know cheesy and stupid kind of some of the stuff we saw at the intro to the recent uh, Star Wars movie which we discussed on previous episodes on the contrast they had a really good balance of you know jokes but also maintaining a, a serious plot because it is a serious movie although it is based around you know aliens and far-fetched uh, superhero powers it is a serious movie and they do it very well another concern i had was being that they had so many very popular characters from all different you know walks of the marvel universe now how they were going to combine it and if they're going to be able to do it efficiently and boy did they ever and in Another thing that was just so amazing about the movie, if you have been following previous Marvel movies and you're familiar with all the loose ends, all the, the extraneous details, to see it all come together and be tied together in this movie was like the most satisfying thing ever. Because if you think about it, it's been like almost two decades now where they've been building up to this Marvel universe, you know, hinting little teasers about Infinity Stones and about Thanos in different post credit scenes. Or, um, for example, I just watched the Guardians of the Galaxy movie again this past weekend, and Rohan, Ro, uh, Ronan, who's the enemy in this movie, is speaking to Thanos. And like, you didn't really think of him as significantly then. But now when you think of all these loose details being tied together in Marvel's Infinity War, it's just so satisfying. And they do it in such a uh, really enjoyable but also really significant way mm -hmm. that you can't help but leave the movie theater um, like just so sa so satisfied. And I feel like for a movie, that's all you can really ask for to just enjoy the movie and be so satisfied when you leave. Now, obviously, if you've heard anything about the movie, there are some um, events in the movie that concern people, and that's the vaguest way I can say it. So to that degree, they're not completely satisfied, but the movie um, leaves you – since it combines all those dots, you know, draws all those dots together, it, it's, it leaves you very uh, happy with where it is, and it leaves you enough um, – I'm trying to be vague here – enough information uh, at the end of the film so that you're really excited to see what's going to be happening in the future. My only concern with this movie is that they've tied together – so many of the dots, I don't know what else they have to tie together for future movies. Obviously, they're going to have Infinity War Part 2. And let me be clear, there's plenty of information, to, it's plenty of stuff to talk about in Infinity War Part 2, so that movie's going to be great. But after that, like the whole Marvel Universe has been combined around this one guy, Thanos. So how are they going to do it after that? Like, Are they just going to introduce a new villain? And then is it going to be you know boring because you know it's going to be something similar? I'm only concerned because I feel like we've kind of hit a roadblock in a way where while the ending was fantastic i don't really know where else marvel can go from here after as a marvel universe because so much of it is being uh just ending in this film in this franchise i think it would be interesting to take a look at how many of the upcoming superhero films by disney are marvel movies as part of this universe because you could get that schedule through 2020 at least probably even further out than that so they, they obviously have something up their sleeve in terms of how they're going to deal with it. But this is a franchise which is continuing to rise in terms of success and really doing well, which may be a little bit in contrast to the Star Wars franchise. Uh, that are, the last movie we were going to talk about this week was Solo, a Star Wars story. Now, in terms of the film itself, I saw it opening night actually I went the Thursday night before it officially opened and I don't have many bad things to say about the movie uh, I thought it was maybe a tad bit long could have been a bit shorter but I enjoyed the backstory that they gave fans as to Han Solo Lando Calrissian I, I thought Donald Glover was great as Lando and I would love to see him have a standalone movie in terms of the actor that played Solo I thought he did a very good job. I was a little nervous going into it as to what type of performance he would give, but I found him to be quite convincing, even though those are some tough shoes to step into. It's very hard to play Han Solo when we all think of Harrison Ford in that role. Uh, I thought that there was not enough in there that was really groundbreaking visually in terms of the Star Wars universe. I didn't see anything in there that kind of blew my mind or that drastically, drastically changed my appreciation of Star Wars or the way I looked at certain plot points going forward, but it did provide enough of a backstory where you feel like you're getting a fuller picture of the story of Han Solo. Uh, that's my take on the movie. I gave it, if on a scale of 1 to 10, probably a 7 to a 7.5, uh, but I know that the movie is not as popular with others, and its success or lack thereof is 
being hotly debated. So first, Jack, let me ask you, what did you think of Solo? So like you with Infinity War, I haven't seen Solo yet, oh. but I've, I've spoken to a lot of people who have. So I'm just going to give kind of my two cents on what I've heard from other people and then what it kind of means for you know these Star Wars movies. One thing I'll just add note before to kind of lead into this is what I've heard is, you know, Solo's an enjoyable movie. It's not the best Star Wars movie. It doesn't compare to something like Rogue One, but it's enjoyable. You know, you get a little bit of a uh, a taste of what it was, you know, what Han Solo's early life was, what Lando's early life was, but it's nothing groundbreaking like Scott said when describing, you know, the scenery. And I think this kind of says something a little bit about Star Wars. So if you think about it a lot, if you think about the original trilogy, some and you rewatch them now, the original trilogy really didn't have a ton of like action scenes. If you watch them, there obviously were some movies that contained some really really big action scenes. But if you watch it, there's a lot more just story being driven in a lot of these original series movies. Versus a lot of these more recent Star Wars movies, they hide behind the big action scenes. And while I haven't seen Han Solo, this is the impression I've got from a lot of people who see it. The story really isn't as important, whereas the action scenes um, are. And so while people give George Lucas a lot of you know a lot of crap for his direction in the neutral in the uh, prequels he really did have uh, a good direction for the original the original trilogy and so that's what's really lacking from the star wars universe and i think that's as a result why so many people are frustrated with the star wars universe as a whole when you see people look at the new trilogy they just don't love the story and so yeah there's cool there's cool lightsaber fights there's cool visuals tons of things are cool but they can't get behind the story just because it's um it's not the same um, kind of uh, ideals that were kind of driven in the original trilogy. And I say ideals because people did criticize the first new the new trilogy movie saying it was just like a new hope but with different characters. And I wasn't really a fan of that either because I don't think people want to have the same plots over and over again. But they do kind of want to have the same um, – uh, feels and ideals that they got when they were watching the original trilogy. When you watch the original trilogy, like you are involved, you're deeply involved in the story. You become attached to the characters. You become attached to the whole universe as a whole. Whereas when you watch these new trilogy movies, like you don't really feel too attached to the movies. It's just like a good action scene with new characters. And so as a result, the movies are dying out. And so Disney, as you know, a big corporate fund, a, bi a big cor corporate organization who, by the way, we, we love Disney, but they haven't been handling these Star Wars movies too well. They really need to kind of dive back into the heart of Star Wars. In my opinion, make production smaller. Don't make it as big with, you know, tons of different people working on it, firing a new director every other five minutes. Um, maybe bring back George Lucas on some of this. I feel like people would love to see him have a new, you know, give some input into the new movies because he really has none. And then see where the direction goes. And one other thing I'll add is people as a result in Tonsolo didn't do great. Um, Disney's pulling back, like Scott said earlier, on some of the new original Disney stories, including I've heard whispers pulling back a little bit on the uh, Obi-Wan movie that was rumored to be in the works. And that just absolutely sucks because while a lot of hardcore Disney fans were upset with the new trilogy, upset with the Han Solo movie, everyone has been dying for an Obi-Wan movie forever. And now for them to say, oh, Han Solo didn't do as well, now we're going to pull back on Obi-Wan, just shows how the, the Disney corporate uh, that is working on these, Dis on these Star Wars movies really do not know what their fans want. I have so many thoughts right now that I'm just going to try to organize one by one. Uh, the first thing I'll point out is that I don't believe Disney has a new Star Wars movie coming out, perhaps until the holiday season of 2019 at this point. I think that's the next in the Force Awakens trilogy. Uh, and J.J. Abrams is returning to direct that. So I think it's good that they're taking a break. If I'm, if I'm right about that, I'm pretty sure I am. I actually, when I heard that, I thought to myself, oh, you know what, that's good. And I could see myself being excited when that film comes out December 2019. That also will be shortly after or around the same time as Galaxy's Edge opens at Walt Disney World and Disneyland. So we're going to be in a massive Star Wars PR blitz at that time. So that's the first thing. Uh, second thing is, Jack, you said something which I really agree with, and I... I think a lot of people are going to disagree with us on this, but I feel the same way as you, which is that in terms of the new Star Wars films, I personally don't feel any emotional connection to the characters, uh, except for when 
some of the old characters come back. So, for example, when I'm watching Luke or Leia or Solo, I mean, I don't think it's a... Uh, I'm going to give a spoiler now on The Force Awakens it's a couple of years after it came out. When Han Solo gets killed, I was watching that in the theaters, and I, I practically groaned out loud, as did a lot of other people in the audience, because I was so invested in Han Solo. And I think that goes back to something about movies in general, which are that the originals hold true over time. They stand up over time. And there are characters that I do like in the new series. I like Poe Dameron. I, I think Ray's cool. I think Finn's all right. He's cool. Uh, BB-8, I think, is an awesome droid. Probably my favorite character, if you could call him that, from the new series. I know a lot of people said when Rogue One came out, I forget the name of the character, but the one who is only able to repeat the same lines, I am the Force and the Force is me, or whatever the line was, he was a unique character. We never really saw anyone like him before. But for the most part, I just don't have that emotional connection to the new characters. And I think that's hurting the series as well. It's interesting because when you go to the theme parks or when you see people just wearing Star Wars clothes in general, very rarely do you see them wear images of the new characters. It's always something that tends to be related to the original trilogy. And I think that's because of the performances in those movies and also the characters themselves. And it's really a it says a lot about George Lucas for all the criticism he gets. We should be kissing the ground he walks on every day for giving us that amazing cinematic universe. And that's a great point with Rogue One. You see, one, Rogue One was extremely successful. People who were original fans loved it because the story was so good. Like, not only did it relate to the original the original story, but it put in a whole new spin on it. And you got the relationship between, you know, the father and the daughter, the sacrifices he made in order that she might have a better life, and then her continuously trying to throughout her life uh like f learn more about her father live up to what he wanted her to and then eventually uh complete out the plan he had laid out the story was amazing and so as a result while there was awesome you know cinematography and everything people loved the story and even though we only learned met those characters for one movie people are more attached i think to Jin or so um, and yeah, I know the character you're talking about, the one who kept saying, I am one with the Force forces me, those characters, than they were to any in the new trilogy because the story was so well done versus these new movies, which, I mean, like, I don't even know what the story is. Like, it's, it's, uh, and this isn't trying to bash, bash the actors. Maybe it is to a degree. Maybe they could have done a little bit better job. But honestly, I just don't think the story they were given, the script they were given, was all that good because, like, a lot of what I think Disney had, did, has, had done with these films is just be like, these are Star Wars fans. You put Star Wars in with a new cast, they'll still love it because they're Star Wars fans. They love Star Wars. And I think a lot of people now who are just stepping back from the new trilogy are like, we really just didn't like that story. Like, we didn't really like the characters that were developed. Mm -hmm. We didn't like really that much about it. And I think when you compare the success of Rogue One to the um, criticism of the new trilogy, it's all you need to show how, like, the story should be most important Whereas, you know, Disney just keeps driving uh, Star Wars forward with these characters in a direction that no one really wants it to go. I completely agree with you, Jack. Um, and an another thing about Rogue One, be like you said, because it tied into the original trilogy, when we had that enhanced understanding about the Death Star and everything that the movie relates to, it hits you and it resonates with you. And that final scene is a very emotional uh, scene. Uh, there's two other quick points I'll make just because I know we're running a little long uh, about this. One is that when I was watching Solo, I was, watch I was watching one particular action scene and I remember thinking to myself, you know, this is cool, but I've seen this 800 times before. It didn't really give anything new and it was going on forever. And I thought to myself, this isn't necessary. I think that this is actually maybe even a bit boring, which I, I hate to say about Star Wars. But then the other thing I'll talk about in terms of the new characters uh, I think Kylo Ren has had an impact. Certainly at the theme parks, you see people wanting to meet Kylo Ren. He is a kind of a classic villain in many respects, but he is nothing compared to Darth Vader. So when we talk about the original trilogy versus the newer characters, I'll pay attention to every scene. And when Kylo Ren's on there, I'll be intrigued by him and his backstory. But it still doesn't resonate like Darth Vader. It really doesn't. Um, I even kind of was more... This is a controversial statement. I was kind of more into Darth Maul as a villain than Kylo Ren. Darth, Darth Maul is a scary guy. 
<laughs> and I never really felt scared watching Kylo Ren. I never, even though he's a, he's a bad guy and can, and does terrible stuff, he just, I don't know. I, I really, I don't know. And perhaps a lot of people are making jokes about emo Kylo Ren because he's very easy to make fun of that way. But anyhow, that's Solo in Star Wars. Uh, a lot to take in there. And this is going to be an ongoing discussion. Uh, Jack, I see you have uh, one more point to make. Yeah, just one more quick thing to note. Yes. I think it, when I was watching also the most recent Star Wars, and I'm going to make a spoiler. I feel like everyone's seen this movie. There's that one scene where Finn is charging towards this um, this this um, machine that's being brought down to bust a hole through the big base they're hiding on in Crate. And Finn's in the ship, and he's flying right towards it. And like he's about to go sacrifice himself for it. And then um, Rose, who is not a character, cuts him off and saves him. And gives the ver- the cheesiest line in the history of Star Wars ever. We're not going to win uh, fighting what we hate, but saving what we love. I mean, I'm pretty sure even the most diehard Star Wars fans threw up when they heard that line. That line um, begins in episode two. That belongs in episode two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, just, yeah, next to the I hate sand line, it's coarse and rough. So <laughs> it, that scene for a lot of people was like that was a chance for for Disney and Star Wars to to actually give us an attachment to the movies. Now I'm not saying you have to kill someone off every single time in order to make people like the movies, but you do have to make them feel emotionally attached to these characters. And since like Finn got saved right before he did that, there's no real gravity in these movies. Like you're watching these movies and you only f- feel gravity when you're thinking about a, an original c- character like Scott was talking about, like Han Solo or Leia or anything like that. But you don't feel attached that anything that's going to happen to any of these characters you really care about too significantly. So you need to actually start putting like some risks in there, some serious, you know, some serious plot changes if they're going to actually make people engage in the films. I just don't think the films were, were done well, even if it was a decent plot that they had. I don't think it was executed well. I don't think how it was introduced was good. I think they should have led with the backstory about um, Kylo Ren you know, destroying the, the Jedi Temple and stuff like that. They should have led with that. That should have been front and foremost. That could have been interesting, but I just don't think they handled it well. I think to a large degree they're relying on a, a formula that has worked in the past for Star Wars and that still is good but that we're tired of and that we've seen. And if we want to see that formula, we're going to go back and watch New Hope or The Empire or Jedi. We're not going to choose to say, oh, you know what, I'm going to watch uh, Last Jedi so I could get my traditional Star Wars in- entertainment. And that's, that's a problem. That's a problem. I mean, Star Wars is still fine. It's still making a lot of money, and the theme parks are going to be crazy when the Star Wars region's open, but... It, this is something that is getting a lot of attention. There's no doubt about it. This has been talked about a lot. So I'm, I'm glad we talked a bit about it tonight on the podcast. And just so everyone knows, if they want, if they're enjoying any of our opinions on any of the movies, they can feel free to go to our website. We have a movie rankings page where you can check out all of our reviews, very brief often, on a lot of the most recent and most popular movies from 2018 now leading to 2019. You can see some of our reviews in those movies. You can give your own thoughts as well and really just give an, get an idea, an unbiased idea of what you think the films are going to be like. Just for example, one film that everyone loved being Black Panther, the hosts weren't huge fans of. And so, you know, we're not really drawn to any special interests other than our own opinion. So if you want an unbiased review of a bunch of different movies, you can check them out on our Stuff We Love, po- uh, Stuff we Love page, www.stuffwelovepodcast.com slash movie rankings. Yes. Thank you, Jack. Now, as we head towards the end of the episode, before we get to the Stuff We Love segment, I just wanted to mention that we are seeing increased writing on the blog on the Stuff We Love podcast website. So if you go to the site and you click on blog, you'll see a couple of new entries. There's one that I'm working on currently related to the popular carpool karaoke segment with Paul McCartney that just came out. And I also recently posted an entry uh, giving people tips on traveling to the theme parks in the summertime, particularly Walt Disney World. And I wrote about that topic because uh, several of the hosts of the podcast are going to be headed down to Walt Disney World this summer, and I encourage all of you to go read it. It's, it's, well, uh, it's well laid out. It's informative and detailed, but I just wanted to take a couple of moments to mention some of the highlights. Uh, a lot of these are going to be obvious, but they're important, and they need to be uh, reiterated over and over again. So, Jack, if it's okay with you, I'm just going to take people through some of the highlights on that blog entry. Uh, first thing to note is that if you're traveling to any of the theme parks in the summertime, but especially Walt Disney World, you need to stay hydrated. You have to constantly be drinking water. The humidity in Florida in the summertime is extremely high. 
you can honestly break into a heavy sweat just by walking outside your hotel at eight in the morning and waiting for a bus. It's happened to me before. So stay hydrated. The Disney restaurants will give you a free glass of water, even the quick service places if you go in, which is great. But uh, bring with you if they allow it. I think they do swell bottles to the parks. It'll keep the whatever you have cold. And even though they charge a ton of money for bottles of water, if that's what it takes to stay hydrated, you got to do it. That's your number one priority in the theme parks. Second thing is that you have to plan your day pretty well and you need to pace yourself in the park. So for me, having been to the Walt Disney World many times in the summer, what I like to do is get to the park early in the morning. I like to get on a few attractions, which you're usually able to do if you get there early enough. And then early afternoon, because it gets so overwhelmingly hot, I like to head out and either spend time indoors, take a nap, catch up on some rest, or go swimming, because no matter how humid it is outside, if you're swimming in the pool, you're not going to get dehydrated. You'll feel refreshed and, and, and very good. So pace your schedule accordingly, and then perhaps return to a theme park or go to Disney Springs later on in the day. Uh, and then finally, uh, watch your eating habits in the parks during the summertime. We all love the classic theme park food, which isn't the best for you health-wise, but tastes so good. However, a lot of that is very heavy stuff, a lot of fried foods and so forth, and that can honestly make you feel quite nauseous in the theme parks in the summertime. So uh, if you're on vacation, be loose, have fun, and eat what you want, generally speaking, but just be mindful of what you're putting in your body and make sure that it's accompanied by plenty of water. Now, with all of that being said, I really do love going to Walt Disney World in the summertime for a variety of reasons. Uh, one is that it is reminiscent of a classic American vacation that I personally have taken many times before. I really love summer nights in Walt Disney World, even though it's still humid. I find it quite comfortable and enjoyable, and it's something about being there, walking around the parks or Disney Springs that makes you feel good. Uh, as I mentioned just a moment ago, swimming in the afternoon offsets some of the effects of the heat. And then finally, if you're going to Walt Disney World this summer, you're going to be among the first visitors to the theme park to experience Toy Story Land, which opens in uh, just a couple of days from when we're recording this. And uh, based on some of the videos that have been released on YouTube, I think is going to give theme park visitors an amazing experience. I have a fast pass for the Slinky Dog Coaster later this summer, which I'm really excited to try. And uh, we'll, of course, be reporting on our experiences at Toy Story Land and giving you full reviews later on. So, uh, Jack, anything you want to add to that? Uh, definitely make sure to, when you're on our website, uh, sign up for our newsletter, which can be found on the bottom of any of the pages, because we'll just send you an email anytime we have a new movie ranking or a new blog post or a new episode up, so you guys can stay up to date on everything that we're producing. Uh, and with that, we're going to turn now to the Stuff We Love segment. Let's talk about some stuff we love. Uh, one of the things that I subscribed to several months ago was YouTube Red. And for those of you that don't know what this was, and I say was because it's been changed recently by YouTube, this was a pay service clocking it at $9.99 a month, although the first three months are free. And for me, the biggest highlight of this was that you eliminated the ads at the beginning of YouTube videos. And if you're like me and spend hours and hours each week on YouTube, the thought of eliminating the ads was really cool. I was happy to do that. Uh, but then you also got access to original programming. So one of the most popular series right now on YouTube is Cobra Kai from the Karate Kid series. You get that if you're a YouTube Red subscriber. But what happened recently was that YouTube announced a change to their terms. And YouTube Red has been eliminated. And what used to be YouTube Red is now known as YouTube Premium. So when I log on to YouTube, I see it says YouTube Premium. You still don't watch the ads on the videos. And what's really exciting is that it now includes a YouTube music subscription which is really cool. It gives you the ability to download music from YouTube videos, save them on your phone, uh, put them in playlists. It's really great. And the YouTube music app, both on the phone and tablet and also on the desktop laptop experience has been redesigned. So uh, I love Google. I love YouTube and the work that Google does for it. And even though it's a monthly cost, it really does enhance your YouTube experience. And sometimes I'll put on a video without being logged into my account and I have to sit through an ad and I flip out because I get annoyed at having to watch through something that's five seconds because I'm so used to the luxury of just putting on a YouTube video. Uh, so that is my stuff we love this week. That's YouTube Premium available now. One quick note on the YouTube Premium. I haven't tried it, but I'll just note 
um, in terms of the ads, you can get a free program on your computer if you use Chrome called Adblocker, and it blocks all ads uh, not only on uh, YouTube, you know, intros and stuff, but also on any website you go to. Um, it blocks all ads, and uh, it's free to use, and only certain sites will want will detect that and ask you to turn it off while you're on their site. But I know for YouTube specifically, it's a uh, free way to block all ads. But uh, YouTube TV is definitely, and it's also super convenient, I can imagine, to have it on a ton of different devices and be able to utilize a ton of different functions. Uh, that being said, Thanks. the stuff you love, the stuff you love segment uh, product that I have this week is an app. So in tandem with a lot of things we've been talking about in terms of the park and being making them as, as accessible as possible, the app I really enjoy is called Disney World Lines. It's from touringplans.com, and it's a really cool app. Um, what it does is it tells you, it gives you tons of different information on the parks you really can't get on their app. Not only about um, wait times, but it gives you a little bit more of an accurate picture of wait times because a lot of times what people don't realize is um, the the wait times you see on the apps aren't always authentic. But the this app tells you not only what wait times are authentic, but also what parks are most crowded on certain days so you can plan as well. You can also um, get certain information about what rides they think are going to be crowded for that day. It tells you which park to visit on a scale of one to ten uh, for each day, for which parks to visit to to plan ahead on what you know what's going to be most crowded. It also gives you it has like a blog page where tons of different people are talking about different uh, experiences they've had, and it also gives you every fast pass selection so you can see on there what are your options leading up. And it's just a super convenient app to have when you're in the area uh, to really make your uh, Disney experience. Um, as uh, stress-free and as easy as possible. Jack, that's a great recommendation. I have used touring plans and lines before. It is right on the money, and they are so advanced and smart. They're constantly updating their uh, formulas for determining crowd volumes, and uh, it's really, many people would consider to be an essential app for people who are taking a theme park vacation. So real good recommendation this week. And with that, I'm going to begin closing out this show going to mention a few different things. First of all, we'd like to ask if our listeners can go on iTunes and leave us good five-star reviews. That makes it easier for others to find our show. Our show is doing well, but we, of course, want to grow even more. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter at StuffWeLovePod or on Instagram, StuffWeLovePodcast. We have a Facebook page. Please visit it. We're posting content there and are going to be working on doing that on pretty much a daily basis. As was mentioned earlier in the show today, our website is stuffwelovepodcast.com. That's where you can read about the hosts, catch up on podcast episodes you may have missed, check out our popular blog, and also look at our products page where you'll see links to the things that we talk about on the show and uh, opportunities for you to order these things. You'll see that we are a, an affiliate of Movement Watches. I own four watches from them. Jack, I know you own a bunch. They're phenomenal. Follow the links and check out what they have. And we are also honored to be an affiliate of Amazon.com. So you'll see links to Amazon on the products page of our website. Click a link, whatever you order on Amazon, even if it's not something we link to directly, uh, the show receives a little commission on that, and we'd be grateful for the support. Uh, you could write to us at stuffwelovepodcast at gmail.com. Please uh, let us know your thoughts on the movies that have come out and on the announcements out of E3 and everything else we talked about tonight. And uh, please, if you haven't done so already, subscribe to our show. We have some really great content coming your way this summer. We're working on getting some amazing special guests and trip reports and all that good stuff. So thank you for tuning in tonight. Uh, I am Scott. I'm Jack. And this has been another episode of the Stuff We Love podcast. <laughs>